Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 86 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 138 of Recitopia continues. Happy Wednesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was NXT 2.0 going down live from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. And this might be the last time I say 2.0 on this show because according to the finish of last night's NXT with the HBK voiceover, we might be ushering in NXT 3.0 with the return of the black and gold brand. We got new branding for this show at the very end of the episode as we got a lovely video package highlighting the highs of NXT 2.0 year one. It might be a nice way to pay respect and homage to what it was when it was good, not so much when it was bad, but it felt like this was a closing of a book that Triple H never wanted to begin in the first place. Now, I will say this, 2.0 had its highs and its share of lows, but the bright spot about this reboot was that this show and the brand needed a refresh because the black and gold brand plateaued around 2020 during the pandemic. It was a hard time for the industry as a whole, and you're going head to head with AEW, who does have the cosmetic edge most weeks to stand out in a good way with better matches and bigger stars that can stand out on Wednesday nights live on TNT most of the way. NXT just didn't hit the same as it did a couple of years prior. So when you make the switch to Tuesdays and you still don't grow your viewership, that became a problem. The plateau hit, the viewership dipped a lot. The reboot sank the viewership even lower because the show veered too far in one direction under Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard, and Kevin Dunn. They wanted greener, younger stars. They did not want to hire any more indie darlings. They wanted this to be an in-house, let's get college athletes in this system to train them to be WWE superstars. Their results have been very mixed. Now, I will say NXT 2.0 has produced stars and Bond Breaker, the Creed Brothers, Tiffany Stratton, Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams, just to name a few, alongside Tony D'Angelo, for example. So we do see the fruits of labor being produced via stars that will stand out on the main roster. The good news is it's not going to be a bottleneck anymore. If you do good here, you're not going to do so well on the main roster. Triple H is basically in charge of all creative in WWE with Sean handling the creative end in terms of developmental. And when you have two ideas merging into one, there's not going to be much deviation in terms of what Triple H is looking for in a superstar. He's not going to be stuck on size. He's not going to be stuck on college athletes. He's going to go here, there, everywhere to make sure he has the best talent available. That's the bright spot. There is hope for you on the main roster with Paul Levesque in charge. If Vince was there, your options are pretty limited. And it sucks because I think that was the blessing and curse of the OG NXT. You would invest in these stars and you would pray for the best that they would make it on the main roster and they were fumbled and bungled by Vince and company because he didn't see it for them. The list of failures from sure things was very disheartening to see. But now you have one guy that kind of sees what we see and there is hope for people who get called up. There is potential for you to stand out in the best possible way. But NXT at its core is developmental. And I hope that Triple H and Shawn Michaels don't lose sight of that. There was a bottleneck issue for a while of you catered to the indie darlings who I love, but you stifled people that were growing from the roots up. 
The positive aspect now is you have NXT level up and the coconut circuit up and running once again. You can kind of downplay the greenness on TV and get people ready via the road and the Peacock show. And you have the more established stars on the main show driving storylines and building hopefully takeovers once again outside of the PC when the budget calls for it. That is my hope and sincere prayer as we reboot this system once again. But it's got to be a hybrid, the perfect marriage of developmental and experience stars. That was my go-to from last year when Vince blew up everything. I thought it veered too far in one direction of green on green action. Green can't lead green. It's going to lead to bad results. I don't need people learning on the job. Some caught on very quickly like Tiffany Stratton and Tony D'Angelo who blew me away within six months of their tenure on NXT. Von Wagner, who I've given hell on this show at various points, is starting to find his footing as well, which is a very good thing. Practice, passion, and dedication will take you far in this business. My one hope for the rebooted NXT 3.0 is that we're not going to rush people to TV too soon. If there is a unicorn by some miracle, by all means, put them on TV if they got the goods. If not, let them breathe, let them learn, and let them grow on the road and on Peacock, then bring them on TV when the time calls for it. The progress reports I'm here for six months to 12 month evaluations are the way to go to see who is trying to really grasp what it means to be a professional wrestler. Are the mechanics down? Is the entering psychology there? Is there growth on any level? Let that be done behind the scenes versus being on TV seeing if you can learn the ropes on the fly. Everybody can't do that. As I always say, the maturation process hits differently for certain folks. And one would pick up things faster and one might take a little while to truly put the pieces together. There's no need to rush the process. Slow it down. You got a wealth of talent on this show that can be great assets to Raw and SmackDown in the next year or two. Don't rush it. Give people time to learn, breathe, and get better. Don't set up people for failure. That was the initial mistake with the early days of 2.0 when we got some really bad matches because people weren't ready for prime time. With 3.0, with black and gold presumably back, let's get back to basics of what NXT was in the early 20-teens up until around 2019 before the world changed in 2020. So I hope this is going to be a rebirth of sorts as I always love to see every year should be a reset. Don't hang on too long and just keep refreshing, rebooting and making this show stand out. At its core, it should be developmental. And I hope that Triple H has realized that you can't serve two masters at the same time. It's a very hard job to do. And one thing that I would like to see kept from 2.0 are the lights being bright in that building. I don't need that dim, smoky lighting when you can't see shit. I don't need the moody lighting. Just keep it bright, but we can kill the Nickelodeon colors as we bid adieu to 2.0 after last night's show, which was good. It was a mix of what you expect, developmental and seasoned stars growing from the roots up, being in the main event spot, and their opening such as the Creed Brothers versus Pretty Deadly for the NXT Tag Team Championship. And the Creed Brothers, I adore them. I've loved them since day one when they were just brutes and they whooped ass and they now wrestle with a bit more control and energy which I appreciate Julius Creed my lord once he really gets it all together he is going to be a superstar he's got presence charisma and the talent and the god-given athleticism to be a superstar I see it for him and last night he showed out but I gotta give props to Pretty Deadly as well this might have been their best match on NXT thus far they hit Julius with a float over Rob Martini 
in a great spot that popped me. At one point, the Creed suplexed Kit Wilson and Elton Prince around for a bit. But one of the early highlights was Julius Creed doing a vertical leap onto the top rope and hitting a springboard Spanish fly to Elton Prince. And he stood up and he says, watch this. He's spectacular. As we go picture in picture, we come back and pretty deadly are trying to do what they do best. Escape the cage, jump over it, climb over it. It's awesome and hilarious. But ultimately, Elton Prince and Kit Wilson deliver a superplex of Julius Creed that rocks him on the mat for a bit. Brutus is going to come through with some nice suplexes on both members of Pretty Deadly. And Julius puts both dudes on his shoulders for Brutus to deliver the Brutus bomb on Pretty Deadly. Doomsday device style, absolutely amazing for a near fall. They had the match won until Damon Kemp came out and he was fighting with Julius Creed at the top of the cage. But in doing so, he handcuffs Julius' hand to the cage and Julius is stuck. Brutus tries to help. He knows he's outnumbered and Brutus fights back by pouncing Elton and Kit. He's suplexing, fighting back, but they overwhelm him with the spilt milk. Brutus kicks out. Julius is trying to get free. He cannot as Pretty Deli continue to double team Brutus by throwing him into the suitcase repeatedly before landing spilt milk again to retain the NXT tag team titles a really good match love the psychology despite the chicanery courtesy of Damon Kemp as he costs his former crew the tag team titles and I really hope that Julius Creed gives Damon Kemp the business someday very soon that could be a special match they're both green but their collegiate background is going to help it reminds me of Julius versus Tony D'Angelo in that tag team match about a month ago I love their chemistry because they're both collegiate wrestlers and I expect some little results for Damon Kemp and Julius Creed in the weeks to come. Next up is Fallon Henley versus Lash Legend and this match was okay. Very developmental as Lash is still very green but still coming along nicely as Fallon Henley lands a springboard bulldog followed by the Shining Wizard for the win to blow off their feet presumably but in NXT nothing is really over is it when it comes to Pretty Deadly and Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen beefing over the NXT tag team titles still unfinished business on their end we'll see how it shakes out in the weeks to come as we move on to Toxic Attractions Jesse Jane Gigi Dolan and the NXT Women's Champion Mandy Rose talking in their shit as they are the attraction for the last year or so on 2.0 as Mandy's talked about dominating everybody on the roster and she might even take on people from NXT Europe in the next year or so to maintain her dominance as the strongest champion on NXT 2.0 and she wants respect put on her name Alba Fire comes out to say "Mm -mm." I got next I'm gonna end this little reign of yours once and for all and she uses her baseball bat to attack Jesse Jane and Gigi Dolan before landing the gory bomb on Mandy Rose go for the set on but Gigi and JC pull Mandy to safety to wrap up the segment. And I'm looking forward to Alba Fire versus Mandy Rose for the NXT Women's Championship. It could be a good match. Mandy's been coming through with her title defenses as of late because right now she is really the baddest bitch in that division right now. And somebody's got to dethrone her relatively soon. I got dibs on Roxanne Perez, but Miko Satamora is also due a rematch for the NXT Women's Championship as well as she was never pinned at Rose Collide nearly two weeks ago at the PC. Next up is the NXT 2.0 debut of Quincy Elliott versus Sean Gallagher and Quincy is the super diva he's very over with this crowd that knows his work from NXT level up and ultimately the coconut circuit as well this match was a good showcase for Quincy he has charisma he's got style size and power he's still green in areas but I do see the vision as it lands a bonsai drop on Gallagher for the quick win and he dances with the referee to wrap up the segment so Quincy Elliott is just a bundle of charisma and I hope he can harness that in the ring in the immediate future as he could be somebody on the main roster in the years to come. 
Next up is Cameron Grimes versus Stax and Tony D'Angelo, and he does not have a partner in sight. Cameron Grimes is able to fit off Stax and D'Angelo at first, but he's double teamed very quickly by the Hill duo until Joe Gacy comes out alongside Rip Fowler and Jagger Reed, and they're like the two assistants at Arkham Asylum with their smiley faces on their chest. Just choices. I'm kind of starting to like it because it's so absurd, but I digress. But Joe Gacy wants to be Cam's tag team partner. Cameron says nope, but eventually Joe Gacy makes a blind tag and he is the baby face on fire, serving up hits and clotheslines and suplexes to Tony D and Stax. Cameron Grimes joins in with a standing Spanish fly on Stax, which allows him to land the cave in on D'Angelo, followed by a Gacy landed that handspring lariat on Stax for the win. And they work well together. It's a shock. The crowd is into it. And then Gacy goes to hug Cameron Grimes from behind. And Cameron's not feeling it. He shoves him away saying, I don't want you. I don't want this shit. And then the schism attack Poor Cameron Grimes beat his ass. And then Gacy lands that handspring lariat on Grimes to lay him out as his feud must continue. I'm intrigued by this. I wish that NXT would take some risks in terms of storylines and storytelling here that could be very outside the box because a cult leader, as I keep saying from last year, is all about the sex and power and control of things. Go there, gamble, have some fun with NXT 3.0 if you dare. So that is an angle to play into. I'm intrigued by it. It's much better than the shit we got earlier this year with Gacy stalking Bond Breaker, kidnapping his father. That shit was no fun. But this with Cam and Grimes, I'm a bit more intrigued by if NXT takes a risk gambles go there and just give us some smut on Tuesday night let the horny hours count for something god damn it <laughs> next up is Zoe Stark and Nikita Lyons versus Kiana James and Ariana Grace Zoe Stark was the glue that kept this match together because she is the best worker out of the three ladies that were in this match alongside her and she lays out Ariana Grace with the G360 which I like very much the flipping GTS and Nikita Lyons lands her spin kick and the splits on Ariana Grace for the win this match is fine but I love Stark's striking ability it's always a highlight for me and Ariana Grace is very green and I don't think she's ready for prime time. I like Kiana James. The gimmick of the accountant is very glow wow from the early 2000s, but she's committed and I respect her for that. But hopefully under 3.0, she can kind of find a character that's less campy and a bit more serious as an overall competitor. But for what she's doing, she's doing a damn good job as she's fully committed to this role through and through. Next up is Hank Walker, noted NXT security guard versus Javier Barnell. And the fans love Hank Walker. And I'm starting to love Hank too. There's something very endearing about Hank. He's an everyday guy working under a developmental deal, trying to make it as a security guard and wrestler by night. And he is very green, but I like his charisma. I like his fire. The fans adore him. The guy came out to no music whatsoever and he was over he was beloved and I respect it and he had some moments against Javier with him around for a bit Javier posted him against the second turnbuckle face first and Hank's got to sell for a bit not the greatest seller but he does build Javier around a bit then land a running splash on Javier for the win and he gets the NXT theme music what's up Wale as his way to celebrate and Really soak in his first ever win on NXT. Good for Hank. I like Hank's charisma. 
I am a sucker for guys that are cute and cuddly. And I think that Hank is a cute and cuddly guy that has potential to be a star if he puts in the work. And I think he will. He's got the security guard gimmick over by calling Javier a prick at various points <laughs> over the last few weeks. And the fans love him. So he's got that going for him as well. So I like Hank Walker's potential with more work to come in the ring in the months to come. And now it is time for our main event featuring the A champion Carmelo Hayes, the North American champ alongside Trick Williams versus Wesley. But Trick and Carmelo attacked Wesley backstage. They beat his ass and slammed his head repeatedly into the locker room door. So therefore, he is going to be out of this match. And Carmelo says, nobody can touch me. I've been the A champion for well over a year. Two-time champ at that. I've put everybody on a t-shirt. Nobody can touch me. Then we get a surprise that shocked everyone. Solo Sequoia, newest member of the Bloodline, shows up. And he reminds everybody, I got next. I had next all summer long, and you ducked and dodged me because Grimes owed me the shot. And you said, well, that don't apply to me. Well, it applies to me tonight. And he proceeds to whoop up on Carmelo Hayes. He dominates this dude for the majority of this match. As Trick is going to pull Carmelo to safety when Solo goes for the hip attack in the corner, but he's going to toss Carmelo onto Trick on the outside as we go picture in picture. We come back and a distraction by Trick Williams allows Melo to hit that springboard crossbody on Solo for a near fall. Goes after that left knee that was injured a few weeks ago when he fought Von Wagner in that street fight, which was so much fun on 2.0, which headlined the show. And from there, Melo's trying to really gain his footing in this match. Goes for a cold breaker, the rock solo, but then Solo comes through with a pop up Samoan drop, a thrust kick in the hip attack in the corner. Trick distracts Solo again. That pisses off Solo as he is going to deliver a super kick to Trick to get him out of the ring. Carmelo gains a brief advantage by landing a cutter on Solo, but Solo is going to fight back with a absolutely nasty Uenagi followed by the frog splash from the top rope to become the new North American champion. And Solo's on SmackDown right now with the bloodline. And I guess when you're on SmackDown, you got to find championship gold somehow, some way. And now everybody outside of Honorary U, Sami Zayn, has a title. Put all of that on a t-shirt as soon as possible. This was a very surprising way to end the show. Solo comes back. He is beloved by this fan base. He's a heel on the main roster. He's over as hell as a babyface on 2.0. And it's a weird dynamic. But I do love what we can do. Because on NXT, people can walk through many forbidden doors from Raw and SmackDown. And NXT stars can appear on SmackDown and or Monday Night Raw as well. It's an open universe. Everything in terms of championship lineage, stars crossing over, all of that is acknowledged under this umbrella. So I can fully expect Carmelo and Trick to pay a visit to Solo and the crew on SmackDown to step up. That is going to be interesting to elevate this title and the show in the process. I'm getting eerie 2019 vibes of Raw and SmackDown feeding NXT. And I sense there could be some NXT involvement at Survivor Series. In Triple H's world, you can do anything. You can have fun with these brands, shake them up, and try to elevate everybody at the exact same time. That's what I love. Acknowledge NXT as a part of the universe, despite how much I hate that word when it comes to branding, but it's true in this case. Overall, I thought this was a fine one-year anniversary edition of 2.0, and it might be the last anniversary as we are saying goodbye. 
goodbye. 2.0 is gone. Black and Gold is back. We'll see how it looks in a couple of weeks. They're taping next week's show today at the PC. I think they're going to do some renovations in that building and it might look a lot different by the end of this month. We'll see how it goes. But wow, to think a year ago, we had a brand new start, brand new colors, brand new stars. Bond Breaker appears out of nowhere, has the first match on 2.0 against LA Knight, gets over, becomes a star. Now he's a champion, double champ at that in the last year, which is remarkable to see. He's the future. He's cooled off a bit due to some bad feuds against Joe Gacy and JD McDonough. The fans a little lukewarm towards him as well. They don't appreciate a good thing until it's gone. And he's going to be an over big time star in WWE's main roster very soon. I fully believe that. And this has been a blessing in some ways for NXT 2.0 to really expose the future and we see it it's bright and I hope they maintain that focus by integrating more seasoned talent and stars who are ready for that spotlight when the time calls for it that should be the perfect blend of 3.0 black and gold reloaded can't wait to see it in a couple of weeks time on USA and on that note this wraps up episode number 86 of the NXT nightcap recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand I hope you enjoyed it as always you can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and our Instagram at Receptopia they can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows the drop on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw NXT I can't say 2.0 anymore AW Dynamite Friday Night Smackdown on Fox and AW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do. Search Receptopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 81 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AW Dynamite on TBS. Until then, enjoy your hump day. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.